Well, welcome today to part two of our series called Economy, where last week we learned that the borrower is a slave to the lender. And what we discovered is that most Americans are slaves to their money. How do you know if you're a financial slave or not? Well, if you've ever said something like, you know, I would really like to be able to, to buy a house instead of always having to rent. Or I'd love to be able to tithe, or I'd love to be able to take a vacation, or I'd love to be able to have more kids, or have my spouse stay home to take care of the kids. But man, we just simply can't afford it. Then you are a slave to money. And we looked at a great thing that Jesus said. He said, you know what? You can't serve both God and money. He basically said that, that wherever your, your treasure is, there your heart is going to be as well. And that you can't serve both God and, and money. It just doesn't work out that way. Because you're always going to want, uh, or you're always going to love one more than what you love the other, and Jesus talked about money and possessions and finances more than he talked about anything else. In fact, he talked about it more than he even talked about heaven and hell combined, because he knew that money was going to be the number one competitor that he would have for your heart, that this was going to be a big issue for you. And as I shared with you last week, this isn't just a financial issue. For Jesus, this was a spiritual issue. How are you doing with the resources that he's entrusted to you? And what we discovered is not very well. We're not doing a good job with our finances. While our mouth says, I love Jesus with all my heart, our credit card statements and our checkbooks say something completely different. We have gotten in a really bad place as Americans. We are full of debt. We're full of greed. We're full of all kinds of things that we simply should not have as followers of his. And so we talked about, you know, you, you can't serve both God and money. That money is something that is supposed to serve you. But that's not where we're at. We're full of debt. Most Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. Many of us have forgotten what our grandma taught us as we were growing up. Maybe she said something like this. I put it on your outline this way. If I don't have the money to pay cash for something that I want, then I'm not allowed to buy it. Did you ever have somebody tell you that, a grandma or somebody like that, that if I don't have the money to pay cash for something that I want, then I'm not allowed to buy it? Now, some of you are looking at me like really crazy. Like, what? Gilbert, could you, could you say that again? Sure, I'll say it again. If I don't have the money to pay cash for something that I want, then I'm not allowed to buy it. Some of you are like, could, could you say it a different way so that I can like, really get it? Okay, I'll say it a different way. If I don't have money to pay cash for something that I want, then I'm not allowed to buy it. But, but Gilbert... I can put it on my credit card. I can take a loan for it. No. Stop spending money that you don't have. Stop it. Don't do it any longer. Did you know that for generation after generation after generation of Americans, this is how they actually live their lives? It's only been in the past 50 years or so that we've gotten into this debt and consumer mindset. Let me give you an example. In the 1930s, only 2%, only 2% of Americans had a mortgage on their home. Up to that point, if you wanted a home, you saved up your money and you paid cash for it. By 1970, that number had flipped. 
Now, it was 98% of people had a mortgage, and only 2% paid cash. But even then, still, Americans didn't have a lot of consumer debt. Today, though, we're full of even consumer debt. We are a very entitled society, and we want things, and we want them right now. We have basically become a, a generation of pretenders, that we pretend like, oh, I've got all this stuff, look how rich I am. But the, the reality is we're not very rich. All we've done is we've taken out loans, and we keep putting things on the credit card, and we've gotten into this mass amount of debt. And you know what else debt gives us? It gives us stress, and it gives us worry, and it gives us fighting over our finances. And that's simply, again, just not a place that we're supposed to be. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 7. The writer there says this, Some people pretend to be rich, but really have what? Really have nothing. And that is my fear for a lot of you. We're not haves and have-nots. What we are is have not paid for yet. That's what we are. Many of that, That's where we're at. And we've got to stop doing that. We cannot be financial slaves any longer. Now, I beat you guys up pretty good last week. And I don't want to continue to beat you up. That was just a reminder of where we were last week. But I want to say this. You can't do anything about your past. What you've done financially in the past, that, that's done. But you can do something about your future. You can change right now, today, how it is that you're handling finances. And so that's what I want to give you today is the hope that there's a, a better financial future for you. And I want to give you sort of three values that you need to live by. And then I want to give you the start of a plan. And we'll actually continue the plan throughout the rest of the series. But here, here's the first thing that you must embrace. I must embrace the value of self-control. Again, I must embrace the value of self-control. And you got, Self-control. Let's actually say that, just so you can get it, get it out of your system here. Let's, let's say this one together. What is number one? I must what? I must embrace the value of self-control. All right, that wasn't too bad. Let's try it again, this time with a smile on your face, though. Like you're not in agony saying it, ready? So let's do it. I must embrace the value of self-control. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28 says this, A person without self-control is like a house with its doors and windows knocked out. Let me ask you a question. What would happen in your home if suddenly we took away all the doors and all the windows. Shout out some things. What would happen if there was no doors, no windows? What? It would get cold. What else? It would get wet. There would be no privacy. People would start to rob you. You'd have animals going in and out of your home all the time. You'd have bugs and insects all over the place. Eventually, the, the, the weather would so damage the house that the value of the house would do what? Would it go up or the value would go down? The value would go down. And what the proverb writer is saying here is your life is the exact same way. When you do not have self-control, you're like a house without any windows and no doors that all of a sudden these things are going to happen and it's going to be a very, very bad situation. Last Friday, a week ago, Lisa and I, we were out, we were uh, shopping and there was a lady in front of us and she had three kids and I'm guessing they were anywhere from like six to ten years old somewhere like that and I never did figure it out if they were actually if she was the mom or the stepmom or what what the deal was 
these kids were brats. You ever been in a store before where like the kid is like yelling and screaming at mom that I want this, I want this, and, and like finally the mom just sort of gives in. This wasn't just one, this was three of them that were just, oh, it was miserable. And, and we're, again, we're right in line behind them, and it was a long line. It was like, oh, please, Jesus, if there was ever a time for you to come back and take us, this is the time, like right now. I mean, come on, dude. I mean, it was, it was bad. And of course, what did she give? What did she do? She gave in to him, right? Guess what? That little brat still lives inside of you. But now that little brat doesn't want candy or a toy. That little brat wants a new car, a big screen TV, power tools, a new purse, a new outfit. We've got to tell that little brat to sit down and shut up. This is what self-control is, is, is telling little Johnny, little Susie that lives inside of you, no, no, I'm not spending money that I don't have. Now, ladies, here, here's what you tend to do. You tend to, and I'm being, I'm being stereotypical here, all right? I'm being stereotypical. Here, here's what you do. You tend to nickel and dime things. It's like, you know, a, a latte here and a purse there and shoes here. I mean, just, just little things and they start to add up. You know, ladies, you'll, you'll say things like this. Well, I had to get a new pair of shoes. Well, why? Well, because I just got my hair done. <laughs> and I got a new color. And, and I needed, you know, my shoes to match the, the thing. And, and then I saw a belt that was the same color as the shoes. I had to get the belt. And then I saw the earrings that went along with it and the, the purse that went along with it. But don't worry, Kohl's had it for 20% off. <laughs> Think about how much money I saved. <laughs> Ladies, you didn't save any money. Just because it's on sale doesn't mean you save money. You still spent money. So ladies, tell the little Susie inside of you, that little brat, to shut up. No, I'm not getting it. Now guys, guys, we do the opposite thing. We tend to splurge on like big things. Again, being stereotypical, but guys, we'll do something like that. We'll go, honey, <coughs> come out in the driveway. Look at the new truck I just bought. <laughs> or guys, we'll buy like power tools and you know, things that, and we only have like one use ever for that power tool, <laughs> but we buy it anyway. Why? Because well, I, I needed it. Guys, tell little Johnny, to shut up. No. I don't need that. Ladies, you don't need to get your nails done twice a month. I've shared this before. I have never once with any guy friend been walking along and the guy goes, dude, dude, check out the nails on that one. <laughs> it's just N never had that happen before. Ladies, we don't care. <laughs> we don't. Guys, you don't need to go golfing every single week. You just simply don't need to do it. We need to learn to say no. Say no to that $4, $4 cup of caffeine. Parents, it is not child abuse if you tell your kid that they can't have the latest iPhone or the newest gaming system. No one here today needs a brand new car when a used car will do. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with those things. 
but all those things are luxuries that you can buy after you get out of debt. Let me say that again. Nothing wrong with all the things that we typically spend our money on, but they are luxuries that you can afford after you are out of debt. Once you're out of debt, you can buy all those things. In fact, buy a brand new car with the leather seats and you know, the, the butt warmers and the whole nine yards. I mean, get one for your mom too. I mean, you love your mom, so buy her a brand new vehicle. But only after you're out of debt. Until then, you've got to learn the value of self-control and saying no. So here's the principle. Put it on your outline this way. If I learn to say no for a short time, then I'll be able to say yes for the rest of my life. I shared with you Lisa and I's financial story last week, part of it, and that where we're at, and that we're at a very, very good place. Why? Because for many, many years, we said no. No. We did away with cable. We did away with all that. We said no for many, many years. Why? Because we knew that eventually a day like today and the rest of our lives would come that we'd be able to say yes for the rest of our lives. A little bit of short-term pain will give you that long-term gain. And so, you know, you've got to, again, tell the little brat inside of you, not now, no, because I want to be able to do that later. Here's number two. I must embrace the value of sacrifice. And really, th this is a, a thing that we need to learn in every single area of life because this is the heart of what Christianity is all about. Our worship pastor Bill mentioned this a little bit earlier, and in the book of Hebrews, we read this, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. We must focus on Jesus, the source and the goal of our faith. He saw the what? He saw the, the joy, this is Jesus, he saw the joy ahead of him, and so he endured death on the cross and ignored the disgrace that it brought him, and then he received the highest position in heaven, the one next to the throne of God. The joy that Jesus was looking forward to was having a relationship with you and I. That's what he wanted. A relationship that was free from the stain of sin. But yet, in order to have that, he knew he had to sacrifice. He had to give up his life. He had to shed his blood. He had to die on the cross in order to get what it was that he really wanted. And so here's the principle. Sometimes I must give up something that I love for the sake of something that I love even more. I'll say it again. Sometimes I must give up something that I love for the sake of something that I love even more. Jesus loved his life, but guess what he loved even more? You. He loved his life. But he loves you more, so he says, I've got to give up something that I love, my life. I've got to sacrifice my life in order to get what it is that I love even more. Now, how does this, or what's this have to do with, with our finances? Well, let me give you a couple of examples. Some of you love Netflix. Some of you love your cable premium shows that you get to watch. You love those shows. But for some of you, you're going to have to say, you know what? I'm going to give up something that I love for something that I love even more, like having a debt-free Christmas. Or being able to send my kids away for college. 
or being able to, to take a, a vacation and, and make memories that are going to last for a lifetime. You give up something that you love for something that you would love even more. Many of you, you love to, to go out every single day for, for lunch with your coworkers. Or you love stopping at Starbucks and getting that $4 cup of caffeine. But what you're going to do is you're going to say, you know what? I'm going to say no to something I love in order to say yes to something that I love even more. You know what you would love even more? Never having a car payment again. Never paying the mortgage again because you don't have a mortgage. Again, sometimes we've got to say no to things that we love right here and right now in order to say yes to the things that we love even more. So what are you going to have to do? Well, you're going to have to start making your own coffee. You're going to have to start making your own lunch and brown bagging it. Now, I'm not saying that that's the solution to everything, is you know, brown bagging your lunch. But it's a start. Did, did you know that they actually did a study of the difference between people that brown bag their lunch versus people that like buy a lunch at the cafeteria or at a, a restaurant every single day? Over the course of 40 years, the difference is $112,000. It's a lot of money. And again, I'm not saying that, that brown bagging it, making your own coffee is the solution, but what I'm trying to get you to see is we've got to learn how to sacrifice. We've got to learn how to say no and give up some things that we love in order to say yes to the things that we love even more. But that's just simply not our attitude so often. We're like, but I want things and I want them right now. And so I'll just put it on the credit card. And I'll just take a loan. And you see, we, we've, learned, uh, we've learned to ask the wrong questions. We ask questions like, well, how much down do I need? Or how much is this going to cost me every single month? The better question to ask is this, how much is it going to cost me long term? Or an even better question is this one. What is the cool cost? Cool stands for the cost of opportunity lost. What is the cool cost? Let me give you a couple of examples of this. Right now, in America, the average household consumer debt is $14,517. Consumer debt, by the way, is just anything that doesn't appreciate in value. So your home is not consumer debt because your home should appreciate in value. A car is consumer debt because cars depreciate in value. Your coffee, your purses, your power tools, your big screen TVs, all those things, that's consumer debt. And most people put all that on a credit card. Now that $14,517, it could have been like a big splurge purchase. It could be just those little things that just keep adding up over time. But what is the real cost of that $14,517? Well, most people, again, are putting it on a credit card. 18% is the average rate on a credit card. And so if you were to pay off that $14,517 worth of debt, your minimum payment per month would be $217.93. Take a wild guess how long it would take to pay that off. Take a guess. I hear 20, I hear 30, keep going higher. 40 years. Here's where it is there on your outline. It would take you 40 years, and with interest, 
that $14,000 would be $104,606.40. Here's where it gets even worse. You thought that was bad. It gets worse. Because remember I said you got to calculate in what is the cool cost. Cool stands for the cost of opportunity lost. Instead of $217.93 to your credit card company every single month, what if you had invested that money instead? And over that same 40-year period, what if you gotten a 12% return on your money? And I'll share with you next week where you can get a 12% return on your money. That would have equaled this, $1,350,820.50. Uh, $350, Here's where it gets even crazier. What if you would have never had spent the money on that $14,517 worth of lattes and purses and power tools? And what if, what if you had never done that in the first place? And what if you would have taken that $14,000 and invested it and then take that same $217.93 payment that you had been making to the credit card company for 40 years and just continue to do that? Well, at the end of the 40-year period, you would have had $3,597,615.75. You see now why I'm saying you got to learn how to say no now in order to say yes for the rest of your life? Again, $14,000, that's, that's a lot of coffees and a lot of purses and a lot of power tools. It's a lot of just little things that you didn't think, oh, that's, that's not ever going to really add up to be much. And I'll just throw it on my credit card and it won't really make a difference. Again, look at those numbers. Had you been wise with your money? Had you never purchased those things? And you've been smart, and you would have done some of the principles I'm going to teach you. All of a sudden, how many cups of coffee can you buy with $3 million? And purses, and cars, and houses, and all kinds of stuff. You've got to learn to say no today. Sacrifice a little bit today in order to say yes for the rest of your life. So that's why I said to you last week, we've got to learn how to be weird We've got to learn how to be different. We can't do what everybody else is doing. Say no for a short term. You can say yes for the rest of your life. Number three, I must embrace the value of planning. Now, I know some people are like, Gilbert, I don't know, planning, that doesn't sound very spiritual. I want to live a, a life of faith. I just want to do whatever the Spirit is leading me to do in the moment. Well, that should be our attitude is that, you know, the Spirit can come in and wreck our plans at any moment and give us a different direction to go in. But yet, we need to have plans. And this isn't my idea. This is something that Jesus said. Look at Luke chapter 14, verse 28. Jesus says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. What is the first thing you will do? Won't you sit down and figure out how much it will cost and if you have enough money to pay for it? So it sounds like Jesus is advocating a plan there, doesn't it? Look at Proverbs 21.5. If you plan and work hard, you will have plenty. If you get in a hurry, you'll end up what? You'll end up poor. It says if, if you're in a hurry... So this isn't about get rich quick. 
I'm going to teach you in this series the Get Rich Slow plan. But it's the better plan because it'll sustain you long term. And that's what we want. And so for the remainder of today, what I want to do is I want to start to put together the plan for you. And it's going to take us a couple weeks to go all the way through the plan. And this plan is not original to me. This was developed by a guy by the name of Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey's not only a, a, a financial expert, he's also a follower of Jesus as well. Some of you have heard of Dave Ramsey before. And he has a great plan of, of how to do this. And I'm going to add in my own little tweaks to the plan as well of how Lisa and I have done it over the past 20 years. But this is what we're going to do. We're going to get you out of debt. We're going to keep you out of debt. We're going to save up for emergencies. We're going to invest in your future. And then we're going to learn how to be radically, radically generous with all this money that suddenly you have. All right? Are you ready? You ready? Say, I'm ready. All right, half of you are ready. The other half of you are still going, sacrifice, ah, oh, say no, ah. Oh. All right, let's try it again. You ready? ready? All right, here we go. Number one, I must put $1,000 into an emergency fund. You see, sometimes your car tires go bad and you need new tires. Sometimes your refrigerator breaks down and you need to get a new refrigerator. Those things are emergency. You need to have those things happen and you need to have money set aside for that. Most people don't. Most people go, oh, I don't have it, so I'm just going to borrow, or I'm just going to put it on the credit card and figure it out later. But you can't do that. Stop doing that. Start paying cash for your emergencies. By the way, make sure it's really an emergency. Your TV breaking down is not an emergency. Your kid's having an unexpected activity that suddenly gets offered to them. That is not an emergency. Make sure it's truly an emergency. You're asking, well, where am I going to come up with $1,000? I mean, I'm having trouble getting by as it is. I mean, I'm living paycheck to paycheck. Where am I going to come up with $1,000? Very, very simple. eBay and Facebook Marketplace are your new best friends. Go through your home and start to sell stuff. There's so much stuff that we have that we don't need. Start to sell it and sell and sell and sell and sell until your kids start to get nervous and your grandkids are starting to get nervous that they're next, right? <laughs> Keep just, uh, uh, selling and selling and selling and selling until you have a $1,000. And, and maybe you're going to do it other ways. Maybe you're going to take on a, a part-time job somewhere. Maybe you're going to start to clip some coupons. Maybe you're going to start to buy the generic brand instead of the name brand. Except for toilet paper. Don't ever, <laughs> don't ever get the generic toilet paper and learn that one the hard way, okay? Um, that's the only one you get the name brand for. Everything else, learn how to save money. Save it up. Put it into a separate account, a separate emergency account that you have opened just for emergencies. Why do we put it into a separate account? Why do you think we put it there? Right, because you don't want to be tempted to use it. It's got to be set aside that the... The hot water heater is broken down or, you know, Lisa and I, Thanksgiving morning, how we woke up was a tree got blown over by the wind and we heard the tree crack and we heard our fence go, right? And if you've been to our house, you know that the uh, wildlife like just 
live all around us there, and they like to come into our yard and stuff, and we couldn't have them in the, in the backyard there, so we had to get the, the uh, fence fixed. Where did that money come from? came out of the emergency fund. You've got to have an emergency fund. What if you lost your job? You have to have an emergency fund that will get you by for a little while. All right, that's number one. $1,000 in emergency fund. Number two, I will eliminate my debt using the debt snowball. Now, this is, again, mainly the Dave Ramsey thing and, and what I'm using from him, the debt snowball. Now, this in the past, I know, is when I try to explain this real quick in a sermon, it can sometimes, it's a lot of information to take in. So if you need help, please approach me outside of, you know, the, uh, outside of church and, and we can get together and help you put together this plan, okay? I love helping people with this. But let's go through this. In your notes there, I gave you a, an imaginary family that is over $20,000 in debt. In fact, guys, go ahead and put that on the screen there for me. What we have there is on the left side, that's who you owe. So you owe Lowe's and you owe Target and you owe your parents and your visa has a balance. You have a car uh, loan that you have out. You have some school loans that you have out. So that's who you owe. The next column then is the total amount that you owe. Again, if you would add all those numbers up, that'd be over $20,000. The next column then is the minimum payment that you're making every single month in order to pay all that off. Now, if you were to add that minimum payment together, that would add up to $910, okay? So again, imagine you're this family, you have over $20,000 in debt, and you're trying to pay off the debt by making these $910 of payments every single month to pay it off. Does this make sense? All right, just ignore that last column for right now, okay? Does that make sense where we're at so far? Okay, here's what we're gonna do. Again, we're gonna have to come up with some extra money. And what you're gonna wanna do is come up with an extra $200 per month. You're saying again, how am I coming up with an extra $200 per month? Keep selling stuff, just keep selling stuff. Take on, a, a, again, a part-time job. Maybe you start to deliver pizzas or you start to drive for Uber. You know, wh whatever it is, as long as it's legal, moral, ethical, you know, start to do some online data entry, whatever it is that you can do, come up with an extra $200 per month. And that $200 per month is going to change your life. Let me show you how. We're going to eliminate our debt and then do even better. Watch this. What you're going to do is you're going to start with the lowest amount that you owe. So right now that's in the, the order that it needs to be. But you need to do this on your own. Take all your debts that you owe. Don't worry about the interest rate. Just who do I owe the least amount to? And that's what you put up at the top. So that's why Lowe's is number one, $450 there. And then you're just going to keep listing them down. Everybody with me? All right. Now what you're going to do with your extra $200 is now go up here to the new payment for Lowe's. You're gonna take the $50 you have been paying them, now you're gonna add that $200 to it, and you're gonna start paying Lowe's $250 a month while you're still paying Target 30, and your parents 200, Visa 30, your car 400, your school uh, 200. Now how much did we owe to Lowe's in total? How many? 450. How much are we now paying them? 250, so how many months does it take to pay off Lowe's? just two. Now you're going, cool, I got one of my debts paid off. I've got more money to go and spend. No, stop spending money you don't have. 
tell little Johnny, tell little Susie to shut up. What you're going to do now is take that $250 you had been paying to Lowe's and you're now going to start applying that $250 to the next person you owe, which is Target. So how much had you been paying to Target per month? 30 But now you're going to take that 30 plus the $250 that you're no longer giving to Lowe's, and now you have a new payment of $280 that you're giving to Target. Now how much did you owe Target? $650. How many months does it take to pay it off when you're paying $280? Two and a half, three months. What do you do at the end of that when they're all paid off? You take that $280, now you add it onto the next line. You see how that's working? Is this making sense? Take that $280, add that on to what you're owing your parents, that $200. Now it's a new payment to your parents of $480. Takes about four months or five months, or uh, yeah, three or four months there. You get it all paid off. And you just keep applying it, applying it, applying it until you have all of your debts paid off. Now here is where this becomes really, really neat. In your notes, I put this for you. Had you made the minimum payments of that $910 per month, it would have taken you 120 months to pay off that $20,000 worth of debt, or 10 years. And again, that's assuming you didn't take on any additional debt. However, with the debt snowball that we just did there, did, did you see how the debt just started? We started to snowball that right away. With the debt snowball, instead of 120 months, it would only take you 21 months to pay it off. That's a difference of 99 months. Now, we're going to take that $1,110 that we had been paying towards debt, and we're going to invest it. Now, now remember, it was going to take you 10 years to pay it off, 120 months. So you're going to make that payment regardless. But now, because we figured out how to come up with just an extra $200 per month, we got that down to only 99 months. Now, for the next 99, or uh, uh, 21 months, now for the next 99 months, we're going to invest that $1,110, and we're going to get that 12% return, which, again, I'll tell you how to do next week. What you have at the end of that time is $186,000. $586.86. What could you buy here in the Harrisburg area for about $186,000? A house with cash. Or you could pay off your mortgage. Are you seeing how cool this is? In only 10 years, we paid off $20,000 worth of debt and we paid cash for a house because we were able to come up with an extra $200 per month. Absolutely amazing. Think about how different your life would be if you had no credit card debt, if you had no car payments, if you had no more student loans. As crazy as it sounds, how different would your life be if you had no more mortgage? What could you do for the kingdom of God, for the glory of God, if you were completely debt-free. And it only took you 10 years to get there. 
Many of you have way more than 10 more years left in your life. What if you learn to say no today for the next 10 years? Got completely debt free. How much could you say yes to then for the rest of your life? How amazing would that be? How generous could you be when you see a need in downtown Harrisburg, when you see a need here at the church, when you see a need in one of our partners in Haiti that we have or other countries that we support, to be able to go, I've got it. I can just write a check, take care of that. It's all about our attitude. Are we going to continue to be very me-centric and very much, I've got to have it, I've got to have it right now? Is that cup of coffee so important to you? Is that new pair of shoes so important to you? Is having that big screen TV to watch the game so important to you? Are you going to give up some of those things that you love right now for the sake of things that you would love even more? To be debt-free and to be radically, radically generous. Join me in prayer. Father, we thank you that you yourself were radically generous and that you loved us so much that you gave your one and only Son so that whoever should believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Lord, we can never ever thank you enough for that. We can never ever repay the, the sin debt that we have to you. But yet you made a way And Lord, in, in many ways, that's a miracle. And that we have to accept by faith. And Lord, now with your, your spirit living inside of us, you, you said that you want us to have not just eternal life forever, but an abundant life right here and right now. But many times, you're not just going to drop that in our laps. You're not going to give us a financial miracle to make that happen. No, you want us to learn discipline. You want us to learn self-control. You want us to learn what sacrifice is truly all about. And so, Lord, we, we know these principles from your word and what they say. Now help us, help us to have the conviction to actually live them out. To not get so caught up in the here and now that we forget that you have a better plan for us than we even have for our own lives. Lord, help us to learn to say no. Help us to learn discipline and sacrifice, not just for our finances, but in every single area of our life. And Jesus, this is why you said that how we spend our money is going to be the number one indicator of how we're doing with you because how we spend our money does indicate do we know what it means to sacrifice? Do we know what it means to have self-control or not? Because if we're not doing it financially, then more than likely we're not doing it in every other area of our lives. And so Lord, help us to start there. Help us to put you first. Help us to worship you more than we worship the almighty dollar. Father, my, my prayer is that every single person that's listening to this and watching this online, Lord, that they would become just financially independent, 
and, and when they are financially independent, that they wouldn't hoard that for themselves just so they can have more and more stuff. But Lord, they would look at the needs of the community and the needs of the world and be able to say, okay, I've got it. And now I'm going to help. Because it's not about my kingdom. Lord, it's all about your kingdom. And Father, as we talked about last week, when we live like that, when we live with hands wide open, we know that we cannot outgive you and that you'll just keep supplying more and more and more of our needs so that we can then in turn help others. Lord, I, I look forward to a couple years from now and five years from now, ten years from now, being able to look back and, and people in this congregation, again, people listening online that they would say, wow, I, I started applying those principles there in 2020 and look where I'm at now. No more debt. No more car loans. No more student loans. No more mortgage. I'm completely debt-free. And most of all, I'm thankful I'm debt-free when it comes to my sin because of what Jesus did for me. Jesus, again, we cannot thank you enough for your great sacrifice for us. So help us now to sacrifice for others, for your glory, and for your kingdom. And I pray this in your great and holy name, the name of Jesus. Amen.